All aboard! Harmonica lady coming at you, Nedra Russ here. We're going to be with Charlie Baroth in Pennsylvania. I've got an interview here you're going to really enjoy. So buckle your seatbelt and let's go. We've arrived in Jamestown. Well, I'm here today with Charles Baroth. How you doing today, Charlie? I'm good, Nedra. It's great to see you. It's really nice to see you, man. It's been a while. Too long. Too long. I Yeah, I'm hoping this year that uh, we can have our annual gathering of the harmonica nerds. <laughs> oh, fingers crossed, my friend. I know, me too. It's just, we play a wind instrument and uh, you can't do it with a mask. <laughs> Not easily. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't. I'll tell you, uh, I actually tried. I thought, well, maybe you can't. Uh, you cannot. Um, well, yeah, you've got you've had a lot of exciting things going on. You have certainly not let this pandemic slow you down one bit. Well, um, no, I, my first realization when everything shut down, other than that there's going to be no actual gigs for at the time, nobody knew how long. Everybody thought, you know, a month or two, you know, who would have thunk it? It's going to be years. But um, I have been able to do some gigs since then. Initially, my first uh, thought was I need to stay engaged. So I started doing a, uh, a Facebook live stream every Wednesday um, from my car uh, because my Internet here at the house is uh, suspect at best. So uh, I started doing this, uh, this little thing that I uh, branded as cartoons with Charlie Barath and uh, wound up doing it for 15 months and only missed a couple of, uh, you know, I think maybe five Wednesdays I missed for one reason or another. Uh, and not only did I keep, uh, keep people engaged, I grew my audience and I had people tuning in from, from uh, other corners of the world, which was uh, um, thrilling for me. So uh, so, yeah, and uh, between that and finishing up my newest record, which was released last summer. Well, I have I have your album here and I tell you what, I really am impressed with the diversity of style and sound. Um, it I guess that uh, you would really you can't just say, oh, this is a blues record or oh, this is a country record. It's more Americana blues. And I. I really, I feel that's what Julio and I are because we, you can't pigeonhole us to say, well, they're do this or that, you know, because you don't know what we're going to come out with. And it, it's a creative process where the song becomes its own with you and the chemistry of your band. Mm -hmm. uh, is that fair to say about, about you guys? Um, um, yeah, to, to an extent, the, the, uh, the whole idea behind this particular project this is my first full-length record of all originals there's seven well all but one there's 17 tracks and all but the last track on the album are originals um and uh the last one would have been an original except my friend bill that i used to duo with had passed away before i could get him in the studio so i found an old 
demo that he and I had done years ago and uh, was able to, uh, to uh, recover it and uh, remix it a little bit and uh, so that I could include him on this record. But the whole idea was not necessarily a concept album per se, or a, uh, you know, to stick in a particular genre or box, if you will. Uh, yeah. It's really, I wanted to, um, I wanted to kind of demonstrate my diversity and uh, not only songwriting, but singing and playing the harmonica because the, you know, a country harmonica and a blues harmonica, Chicago blues harmonica and an acoustic kind of old timey harmonica, very different feels and approaches. And I wanted to, you know, I kind of wanted to uh, let everybody know that, you know, I can do that. I'm, I'm sort of known, generally speaking, as a blues harp guy. Uh, but yeah, there's 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 a lot more to it than that. Uh, and I also wanted to um, kind of shine a spotlight on some fantastic musicians that I get to gig with on a fairly regular basis, not only from here in the Western Pennsylvania market, but uh, some folks from elsewhere that I occasionally go on the road with. And uh, so virtually every every musician that I use on the studio or, or friends that I that I at least occasionally work with. Uh, and then, uh, with the exception of a two or three that they're friends of mine, we don't get to gig uh, on a regular basis, but you know, we, we've all shared a stage at some point. And that was the whole idea behind it was to, to show that. Well, I, I think you definitely did. Um, the other musicians are extremely talented. I, like I said, I've been listening and, you know, you hear, you hear some steel, you hear some slide, you hear, you hear things that you're going, is that a cello? Um, and so i i'm enjoying it and that's that i think you've accomplished um what you set out to there and it's very impressive and i i see where you're coming from because you definitely have a nice fat blues tone in your harp and in your vocals with with the ones that are real bluesy but then you know you got a little country and the country is very distinctly different patterns than blues patterns on harmonica you know it, Absolutely. It, it, as as well as um, Julio and I do a lot of jigs and Irish and Celtic stuff and that's a whole different flavor too one time I went to a jam with some friends because we play with our friends that's what we do that's how we met was we mm-hmm. were set up on a friend party because they thought our music would gel which it did and I appreciate nice. that but I was sitting there and I go now how do I do this old timey stuff? I said to my friend Forrest and he said, it's just like the blues, just do it a whole lot faster. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a little more involved than that, but you, you know, you, get, bit, yeah. you get, you get the gist, you know, and, and having friends that uh, you get to do music with, I think expand your, expand your horizons and make you stretch as, as a person and a player. And you've definitely done that here. I really, really like it. And um, it's a good bargain for $15 to get 17 songs, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good bargain. So if people yeah, get this, this CD on, um, I got it from Bandcamp. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Bandcamp. App. Yeah. Bandcamp is a, a website that a lot of people, it doesn't get the, uh, um, 
all the headlines and the notoriety of some of the other streaming platforms. Now, Bandcamp isn't technically a streaming platform. You could go on there and and listen to anything on there, but it, after so many listens, Bandcamp will urge you to download it. So, um, yeah, charliebarath.bandcamp.com. I have uh, uh, several bits of music on there in addition to this record. Um, but the nice thing about Bandcamp, and obviously the streaming platforms have been in the news lately, but um, everybody squawks about, you know, there's very little payout to regular musicians on the streaming platforms. Uh, Bandcamp takes a nominal fee if you, um, if someone downloads your, your content from Bandcamp, you wind up getting about 80 cents of every dollar spent, um, plus or minus, which is like head and shoulders above all the streaming platforms. The streaming platforms, you get more, uh, more exposure that way, potentially. But, um, you know, if you want to, you know, and this is for all you um, music lovers and uh, patrons out there, if you want to, if you have a, an artist that you really like and want to support, the best way to do it is buy their product or the merchandise directly from them or their website. This, the, uh, a close second is to get downloads from their Bandcamp page, uh, assuming they have one. And, uh, you know, and if, if, uh, if that's not an option, you know, certainly streaming uh, doesn't hurt. You know, the more streams, the better, because that gets other people um, awareness of, of your music. Yeah, yeah. But you, you're, it's like you said, you don't get a whole lot. Um, I did get involved with. Yeah, you don't. And, it, and, you know, they had that lawsuit against Spotify and it was a lot of work, but I did get a large chunk of money. They had, I, they had took my original work, which was my first CD. And I, I had, I had no idea. I was going places and people were requesting my songs and knowing my stuff. And I was scratching my head going, I do that in my bedroom, you know? And then I found out <laughs> there was a copyright infringement. And I, I got more out of that than I get out of the streaming. Like you said, it's like zero cents on a stream. I think, you know, 0. 0.0 or 1% or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's not much. But it's, you know, it's um, like you said, it is getting your music out there. And that's that's cool. But it would be nice if it was a little more fair but because of the pirating and uh, the internet i think it it's really hurt the music the music world and they're trying to do better for us but i i think that's hard yeah yeah it's it's not it's not easy and uh you know and i've had this debate with other musician friends who you know were just adamant that they will never ever put any of their stuff on spotify or itunes because they're ripping off the artists and you know, so my response to that is, okay, well, then who's going to hear your music? Yeah. You know, and of course, I'm not speaking of, you know, bigger names who are getting radio play or already established. I'm talking about people who are trying to get their content out there into the world's ears. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, you know, if you don't make it available for easy access to people to at least listen to, then chances are the only people hearing your music are the people at your shows. And as we all know, there haven't been, you know, a whole bunch of shows for the past two years. Yeah, there haven't. Um, I did, we did, 
I threw a concerts here in town. We have a gazebo and an outdoor venue. And I did twice a month. I threw things through the, the area, the time we could be outside, but we're mm-hmm. in the mountains and it snows. And then we, we battled all the smoke and the heat and it, it made it right. really difficult. You know, you, to, you can't, I had to cancel shows, reschedule them a week later when the air might clear. And so there's all the, um, exterior elements there but it was the only way here in California and in the area I'm at that I could do that so we at least did that and people loved it because they miss us they miss live music and so I want to talk to you now about your creative process and how when you're doing a song what are the elements that get you from the beginning to the end and how does that work for you Hmm. Well, um, there I don't have a uh, a formula per se, Nedra. Like you know, like, and I would guess that most, not only songwriters but any creators, you know, they they have several different um, directions that they go, starting with an inspiration and then moving through the process to get to uh, you know what could be eventually a finished uh, product. Uh, for me, it's it comes from different directions. Sometimes it'll be a uh, a lyrical phrase uh, that, or sometimes it'll be a um, a melodic phrase or a hook that, while I'm tooling around playing with my uh, harmonica, and and you know, you know, something will catch my ear, and uh, and the and the best thing you can do as a creative person is to um, record and catalog those ideas because, you know, and I know probably every creator has this, uh, a, a long list of files with snippets that may or may not be developed into a, uh, a, a complete piece. So that's what I do. You know, I have a little voice recorder on my, mobile phone or if I'm at home I'll record it wherever um you know and those ideas come out of nowhere I've literally woke up with a uh, a lyrical phrase in my mind before I actually even opened my eyes and jumped out of bed and jumped on my laptop and started writing verses um so it's really there isn't one way to do it um a, a lot and I tell people this during my shows a lot of my um, favorite songs that I write um, kind of happen while I'm busy doing something else. Like I've written several tunes on that, on my new record, uh, just me and my friends were created while I was at work or doing yard work or doing something uh, else. And, um, and I've read this, that there's something going on in the brain that while you're busy doing one thing it frees up the creative part of your brain to to do what it does best which is create uh without distraction and uh, that might seem counterintuitive but um you know there's a handful of songs on that record uh losing my mind over you little turtle nightlight um she drives me to drink um heart of mine they were all written while I was at work or busy doing something, you know, like manual labor or whatever, where I just, you know, 
very seldom do I sit down with a pen and paper or my laptop and create something from nothing. That's, that's a lot harder to do than most people realize. Um, I can relate a hundred percent. I, um, I'm the same. I have a, I used to write things on napkins and write everything down. Like I used to go to the library, you know, but right. now I just record on my little phone or I, I yelled to Julio, Hey, hit, get my phone, hit record it. I could be doing something else. And I have to get that out because if I wait, I might lose part of it. And yep. yeah. So I, I always tell people to record um, themselves and people sometimes they're like, well, I don't want to hear myself or I, but it's still just a great tool to have that we have now, you know, and it's, it's with you wherever. And you, and, and I'm a gardener and I also do visual arts and I'm the same with, I'm, it, it said, it's gotta be that same place in the brain that I could be sleeping or doing something else. And the image will come of how I'm going to complete that visual project, which you can look mm -hmm. around my studio between musical instruments and paintings. It's And this is just, it's everywhere because I've kind of always been that way. It wasn't mm -hmm. like I chose to be that way. Or like you were saying, I didn't choose to sit down and figure out how to write a song. I, I tried it once. I, I'm going to write a song today. And I did write a song called Ramblin' Girl. It's a country tune. And it drove me crazy. It did not flow. It's a good song. And I forced myself into doing it, but it wasn't fun <laughs> uh -huh. to force it. So I, I get what completely what you're saying there. And I like the way that you um, expressed and, and vocalized the, the way you did, because that kind of explains it. I don't, and I often wonder, not everyone operates like that. You know, their mind doesn't but yet maybe it works in a way that mine doesn't. Maybe they're good accountants, you know, or. Right. Well, yeah, we're all, I mean, we're all different. We're all individual. We all have a, a different approach to doing virtually anything and everything. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's what uh, I think that's what makes, that's what makes something like creating any art, but songwriting in particular, it's what makes everything, um, so great is that we have all these different people taking different approaches from different directions and thus the finished products would be uh, unbelievably diverse and appeal to a um, you know a wider swath of of the of the world you know because not everybody likes the same thing that's and that's good oh, that's for sure that and that is good i i think diversity is a wonderful thing when i went back to college um when i was 50 and i i the diversity at the school of people and age groups it was it was like the most wonderful experience to see you know um Okay, let's get back to now our, our subject here of the harmonica. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> our little, little um, thing. Tell us how you, how the harmonica chose you, or you found the harmonica, and what your, what your steps <laughs> were to get as good as you are now. Uh, well, I bought my first one probably in the late 70s, I would guess. Uh, I think I paid six bucks for that first Hona Marine band. Um, little that I 
even consider at the time that, uh, you know, 40 plus years later, I would be, uh, you know, a owner and Dorster and, and part of this great community of, of, uh, of not only the Honer community, but the harmonica community at large. Um, and I, and I bought it because I always felt I had something musical in me and, um, and I wasn't able for various reasons to take like, uh, other, uh, uh, guitar lessons or piano lessons or whatever was offered in school at the time. Uh, but I had the $6. I could afford the harmonica. It fit in my pocket. Um, my dad played, he was a wonderful player. He didn't play it often enough. And, and another, a good friend of his, another, uh, guy from the uh, World War II generation, um, he also played, he always had one and uh, would break it out and play it anytime in any place. And uh, they both sounded, they played the original, the uh, traditional style first position with the rhythmic tonguing and it sounded like a calliope on an antique merry-go-round that was beautiful. Uh, and uh, so I would sneak the old man's harp out of the out of his desk drawer when he wasn't wasn't around and fool around with a little bit and eventually decided to, to uh, invest <laughs> in my very own <laughs> instrument. <laughs> so, yeah, so here I am, you know, decades and, uh, you know, probably hundreds of harmonicas later. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> But yeah, the key, yeah, yeah, the key cool. to improving on anything is to keep it in your hands or keep it in your mouth in this case. And, and uh, you know, it doesn't matter. I tell students this in, in classes and individual students. Um, this whole process is 10% of what I'm going to tell you and 90% of what you do with it. So it's really, you know, you could take lessons, you could go to classes, you could, you know, you could throw a ton of money at it. You could watch, you know, videos till the cows freeze over on YouTube. Um, but until you put in some serious time, you know, trying to uh, apply those things you learn, it's, you're not going to, you're not going to make any progress. You're a hundred percent, right. It's 10% that 90% you, mm -hmm. that is really like good. Anything. Like I anything. Like and you, you have to be, you have to be, uh, uh, what's the old adage? Uh, growth doesn't happen in comfortable places. So you have to kind of push yourself out of your out of your comfort zone. And uh, and that's really, you know, and you mentioned getting, uh, you know, constructive guidance from teachers and instructors and other players. Yeah, you're not always going to like what you hear, like recording yourself. That is, that in itself is the absolute most valuable thing you can do as a musician, whether you're talking about your performances or your rehearsals or your practice sessions, recording yourself, and then going back and being very uh, objective in your listening to that, because it's simultaneously the most difficult thing and the most valuable thing you can do uh, as you're trying to, uh, you know, become more proficient at whatever you're, whatever you're, craft is exactly and you know that that being objective is the hardest thing because you're investing your heart and your soul in it and you know you think it sounds better when you you're hearing it from your ears and in the space but when you record it you can find oh gosh I hit a bad note mm -hmm. or 
oh, I could do this better. And so I, that is such a valuable, valuable thing. And it's also hard. My brother who played music his whole life was a musician along with a medic, you know, none of us really every, he's kind of like, he's kind of like, um, the Ford brothers. One of them went off to be a medic. Mine was one of those. And, uh, he's really good and he has his own style, but he heard himself recorded and he hated it. He's never recorded since I, I wanted to record him just to have it for his kids. He won't do it. He he, he couldn't handle what he heard, but you know, it isn't easy to, to be objective of your own work. And that's, that's why it's good to get out there and hear other people record and talk and share. I, I really like that painting behind you there of the, um, it's a super cool. Well, you got some nice yeah. artwork. Yeah. I really like that. It just calls to you, you know, who did that? I had, uh, I had a, a lo- I commissioned a local artist here in Pittsburgh to do that for me. And he, he can't probably can't see it from there, but he uses a lot of, of, of uh, texture and depth in his work. And uh, when you, when you get close to this painting, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's like a topographical map. It's got like high points and low points because he uses a lot of thickness and, uh-huh. and, and texture. Um, <clears throat> real quick story, backstory on that. Um, years ago, uh, I had a dear friend named Joe Colvis who lived in uh, Hot Springs, uh, Arkansas. And uh, we stopped to visit. Uh, we were my wife and I were traveling from uh, visiting her family in Oklahoma. So we stopped to uh, uh, visit and spend the night at, at Colvis's house. And uh, he was telling us a story. He showed this painting that looked very much like that one. And um, so he said he had a friend who had visited him and his friend's son, a college age uh, artist uh, type, was with him. And uh, so Joe got his his favorite ecstatic harmonica, which was really ratty looking. The paint was all chipped and it was, you know, and he's like, you know, this is my favorite sounding harmonica. It could probably use, you know, some cleaning up. So he thought he, he asked this young artist, you know, hey, would you paint my my microphone for me? And um yeah, that's what I said. My microphone, not harmonica. Uh, yes. but, okay. um, yeah, you know what I meant. Um, he goes, you paint this microphone for me. So the kid's like, sure. So he takes it and he doesn't hear from him for like weeks and weeks and weeks. So he comes home from work one day and he opens his, his screen door and there's a, this big package between his doors and he's trying to figure out what it is. So he takes it, he opens it up. In it is his, um, his microphone untouched from when he gave it away and a painting of the microphone which was this which was this view like just the grill and it had all the details the the label the ecstatic label I mean it was it was beautiful um and uh so Joe passed away sadly years ago I don't know whatever happened to the painting I would love to have had it so with that in mind, I, uh, I commissioned this, this young, very talented guy here in Pittsburgh to, uh, you know, to do a, a similar thing. And, and again, even on the label, it says Colvis under a static, just, a, just as a shout out to Joe. It's a little side story, but yeah. That's, that is uh, a great side story. I, I'm, I'm just cracking up here and it, it, that's, 
that is an artist for you. you and or, or even any human, you never know what they're hearing. You hear what you're right. saying. <laughs> yep. So that, that interpretation is just perfect. And I know that you, people cannot on this podcast see this painting, but it's very 3D looking even through the screen here. And um, looks like you used a lot of metallic and, and a lot of energy. And it's, it's, it's really super nice. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I have a few, I have a few pieces uh, from Jeffrey. He's a um, wonderfully talented young guy, you know, and uh, well, you, you know, don't so me, I, if he I, has, I, a, if he has a web page, um, send me a link and I'll put it under this podcast so people can go appreciate that too. So oh, tell wow, us, yeah. 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 Tell us what's coming up for you um, here and, and a shout out to people that can maybe find you somewhere live. Well, um, things have been, as I'm sure everyone's aware of, things have been uh, slow compared to the pre-pandemic days uh, as far as frequency of, of shows. Um, things started coming back here. I'm in Western Pennsylvania, as I mentioned. Um, the first year, a lot of outdoor gigs and things slowed down. In there. And then uh, the second year, I kind of knew that the people who figured out the outdoor venue thing would hit the ground running and they did. So uh, last year I was able to do quite a few, few shows in 2021, indoor and outdoor after the restrictions um, eased up a little bit. Uh, still not at the, uh, at the volume of, uh, you know, pre 2020, but certainly heading in the right direction. Um, so, I mean, I'm continuing to book, um, uh, had a, uh, it took the last couple of months off. And uh, so starting to uh, repopulate that calendar. Um, I have, uh, as you mentioned, the new record. Um, I would love to track my next record before the end of this calendar year, if possible. I'm not sure I'll be able to pull it together, but um, if not, it'll be shortly as soon as possible after that. But uh, it'll probably be a, a full-on blues record, you know, instead of uh, the the uh, the variety pack that you get with the the last one. Uh, so that's going on. Uh, my my website is under construction. Um, you can people can go to my Facebook page, Charlie Barath Harmonica, and uh, pinned to the top of the page is a Google Calendar that shows, um, you know upcoming gigs, uh, at least for the, uh, the next couple few months and, um, you know, building, building all that, um, you know, building that, that was torn down thanks to COVID. I think we're all doing that. And, it, and, um, it's run through our house. We, we, we did well. We thought we were almost bulletproof, you know, and then Omicron came along and we're fighting that here and it's been really rough. It is a very, mm -hmm. very difficult thing to deal with. Um, I got the Moderna and I had the least amount of symptoms. Julio, um, he had it real, real bad, but he's, he's up and doing a little bit better each day as, as the rest of the house is, you know, and our town, everybody I've talked to has been like, well, it's run through here. So it hit our little town um, hard and which is strange. And I, and we mask, we, 
triple mask. I just, I ordered some more masks actually, but it is starting to drop off and um, things are getting rolling around here. We've got some new clubs too, but nothing at the level, like you said before. Um, I'm fortunate. I got some great things going on with my art and, uh, and an art path and art walk. And so I'm keeping busy here in the studio and pro- I, I've got some new songs. I, I, I had got one <laughs> about mojo so which is a standard and then we've been we've been working on a little bit more blues too than other other things ourselves. i think it's because you know the pandemic is the blues well on that note i'm going to put in one of charlie's songs here off of his cd this one is called have ourselves a ball and that's what we want to do again is get out and listen to live music good stuff like charlie's putting out there So here we go. Buckle your seatbelts. Friday's here. Forget the clock. The week is done and we're gonna rock. If you wanna get real tired, we're gonna party till the early bride.
I mean, there's no other way to put it other than it's sad. Yeah. It's hard. We've never seen anything like it. People disagree about strange things, and I think it's fear based. Well, sure. Fear, fear, which goes hand in hand with, uh, you know, um, a, a lack of uh, solid information or, or just flat out ignorance. I mean, that's what drives it all. So um, I, I look at it this. I'm trying to stay positive. Um, every, it seems every once in a while, humanity goes through some major issue. And in my lifetime, I mean, certainly there have been some really difficult things, you know, and the, you know, civil rights era and the Vietnam War and it's like, you know, 9-11. I mean, like there's a whole bunch of stuff. But, you know, this is the first time that there has been something that have has impacted, has has this negative impact on a global scale. And uh, so I guess it was our our turn, you know. Uh, I don't look at it like it's the end of the world, or the worst thing ever to happen. Um, you know, there's certainly been a lot worse in previous generations, my parents and grandparents alone. I mean, just the first, the first half of the 20th century, you know, two global, global wars, uh, a global pandemic, uh, a global depression, <laughs> you know, and what did it do? It, it made those people that survived it, it made them a, a, a lot stronger. So, uh, you know, I try to, I try to stay, you know, stay focused on that and, uh, and move forward. You know, I don't, I don't believe that this is going to be the end of things. I don't believe that this is going to, uh, um, you know, shut things down. We may have to restructure uh, our approach on how we, how we uh, go about our days. Um, but, you know, the human race has been through worse. Oh, I, I, I hear you. I think this is our, the baby boomers, um, pandemic. You know, we, my, my grandparents, like you said, and our parents, shoot, my dad died pretty young from um, things that he encountered in, in the world war. My grandfather was in the world war. All my families, all the wars and all the things our families, the military family been through had its, had its, you know, effect afterwards, but yet the positivity and the love that you end up giving. I, I've never loved this hard. I've never you know, prayed this hard. I've never shown outright affection and words right away because you don't, you know. So for me, um, it made me um, more loving. I, I, I know that sounds strange because I've always been that kind of person. I, I just love and love is everything, you know. And, but I've just, now I really want to let people know and I want to be there for everyone as, as best I can, which, you know, that for me, and it's made me happier when I'm happy. Cause it's like, or when you're visiting people, you're just, you right. got more and you want to get it out. You don't want to suppress it. Like you don't want to keep it to yourself you right. know, the other day. Right. Right. And so many people when, you know, um, regardless of the situation around them, they tend to lean on and, and grab a hold on to the, to the, to the negative and to the, to the downside or the dark side of any given situation. And I was never good at, I mean, I do my share of complaining and, uh, and I do, I can be pessimistic at time, but uh, I'm not good at carrying that sort of vibe for very far. So I kind of try to, um, 
you know, focus on the on the the good that we have, even if it's just something small and, and a little bit goes a long way in 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 days like uh, we're experiencing now, you know, smile uh, to a stranger, you know, even behind a mask, they could see it in your eyes, you know, yeah. letting just doing a ran the random act of kindness thing, let somebody in traffic or you know, whatever, reach something on a high shelf at the grocery store for someone who who can't reach it. You know, it's just those little gestures. <laughs> those little gestures go a long way. And, uh, you know, I, I like to focus on that. And uh, and music is another way to, you know, to uh, it, it is it's cathartic. You know, not only making music, but listening to music. And you mentioned that earlier with live music. It is very cathartic and and people you know, not everybody, but there's a big percentage of people who, you know, like they really, you know, it's a healing thing. And, uh, you know, anytime I'm doing something that could be a part of making someone's day better, even if only for a couple hours, then, you know, I'm, I'm all about it. Yes, you are. And that's wonderful. And you and your wife, you, uh, that's the thing I've always noticed. You both have a beautiful um, chemistry and aura together. And uh, that's the first thing I noticed. It's like the, they, there's love. You can feel it and you can see it, you know, it just radiates out and, and that, that just that alone, you know, I, I can remember, you know, I, I said to you, Hey, you know, it's good to see you guys. And you said, it's good to be seen. And I thought that was the coolest answer <laughs> ever. <laughs> well, it is. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. So I'll pass that, I'll pass that on to Gwenda. She'll, uh, she'll appreciate it. Well, I appreciate that. Well, it's been wonderful talking to you. And um, I'm going to play, a, I'm going to put, put this up with some of your music here. And um, I do you have any song in particular that you you want played or that um, you want people to hear. I'm not, of course, going to give them everything because they need to go and buy that at uh -huh. Bandcamp. Um, but I, you know, if you have a certain song, I know you said that some of them, you know, they came out faster. Like I was, I was listening to the little turtle nightlight this morning and thought about my <laughs> nightlight in there. And then I thought about the words and, you know, and it, it's just cute. It's just, it's cute. And it, it's, it's a really, I like the song, but I don't want to play the songs that I like. I'd like to play some that you want heard, or you maybe want to talk about. Right. Well, <laughs> since you bring up little turtle nightlight, that was actually loosely based on a true story. It happened to a, a fellow that I used to work with. So he's telling me this story and half of my heart is breaking and the other half is writing this song. <laughs> I embellished a little bit, but the gist of the story is, is there. Um, but uh, I don't know, the first single I released and I debated, it was like, which song would I release as a single? Which one do I think would hold up best as a single? And which one is my favorite? I mean, I like them all. There were some that, you know, um, for whatever reason, had a, a more personal connection in writing. Some of them are autobiographical. Some of them are just like made up out of whole cloth, which is what songwriters do. Um, the first single I released was uh, Losing My Mind Over You, which is kind of a Western swingy number. Um, and uh, really, that's another one I, that I wrote while I was working. Um, you know, I just definitely kind of want to play that one because it's it is really good and it's really different than the others. 
you know, as far mm-hmm. as the instrumental parts of it and, and the, the tune itself. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, it features, uh, uh, I have a, uh, aside from my blues band, you know, I do whatever musical projects I can, I, you know, some, some on my book the date and then see who's available, <laughs> essentially, and go and go do the gig. Um, but I have a, uh, a relatively new project that uh, kind of got birthed, birthed last summer. It's a, a Western swing and vintage country project called Mo Taters and the Gravy Train. And uh, uh, Pete Freeman, the uh, pedal steel player on my record, is in that group. And he's one of the best around here, if not the best, although he's too humble to, to agree with me. But um, he's just a, a fantastic musician and Okay, so here we go with Losing My Mind Over You. Well, I'm losing my mind over you. Half crazy about everything you do. Sounds funny, but I'm hoping you'll cuckoo for me too. In my mind over you When I see that pretty smile upon your face I wish I had a tail that I can chase It makes me wanna yabba-dabba-doo Cause I'm losing my mind over you Well, I'm It 
wonderful to play with. So, uh, yeah, that's that's that song is special to me. Uh, the other country type song uh, is is autobiograph autobiographical. It's called uh, Ollie Ollie, and uh, I co-wrote that with my friend Gary Vincent, uh, who has a uh, has a great studio down in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Uh, Gary was a professional songwriter in uh, Nashville for many many years, uh, and uh, you know had some great success and acclaim there. When I was a teenager, he had a band around Wheeling, West Virginia, which is near where I grew up. And I used to go see his band um, band there all the time. I didn't know him. I knew I knew who he was. He didn't know me. I I reconnected with him, you know, probably five or six years ago down in Memphis. And uh, and we became fast friends. And so anytime I get near that part of uh, the South, I always stop in to visit him and Carol. And uh, when Gwenda and I were there in uh, <clears throat> 2017, maybe, uh, and we went and we visited for a few days and he says, hey, while you're here, let's write a song together. So I'm like, I'm trying to figure out, well, what do I have to offer? You're the professional songwriter. <laughs> but uh, we started dragging through some of my notes and, uh, and I had all these little phrases and lines that I had started to accumulate uh, based on my growing up in a little coal mining town in Ohio. And, um, and he saw those and he's like, I kind of like, I kind of like that. Let's, let's do something with it. So uh, Ollie Ollie came out of that. And that is another one of my favorite songs on the record. And and it is every, virtually every line in that song I lived. So. Wow. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, I like the name of Highball and a Cover Dish. <laughs> another autobiographical piece. That one is also another one that I lived every line. That song is about my mother. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Was like, my mother was, my, my mom wasn't a drinker, but anytime we went to like a, uh, I, it doesn't matter if it was a wedding or a funeral luncheon or some kind of dance, you know, back, that was the common thing. You took a cover dish. And she had this dirty rice dish that was that was kind of her signature dish. And anytime we went somewhere, and uh, and then she would usually have a highball, you know, which you know, and and if it had too much liquor in it, she sent it back because <laughs> she was not a drinker, but uh, she was happy enough without the help. But um, yeah, so that that song, uh, it it has a great like Chicago blues vibe you know it's kind of a pattern after some muddy water stuff but uh yeah the lyrics that that song it's that's a story story of my life that's that's really awesome that's fun I can relate I like the I really like dirty rice and I take my drinks kind of not too strong um right I'm I'm little anyways and uh we we don't need to add alcohol to Nedra that is Um, that is known throughout the land. <laughs> right, right. I can well, I, I'm going to get this up and get this on and get the links up to the Harmonica Lady podcast, which people can find all over, not only on Podbean where it's hosted, but as well on iTunes and Heart Radio, anywhere. It's just out there. Um, they do a good job on distributing things. And I feel lucky about that. I've, I've enjoyed working with them there. They make it kind of easy and it's fun. And this way I can get the word out 
of what people are doing. I, I'm going to try to get time to start like kind of searching the internet and finding things and just maybe uh, once a week broadcast out what's going on and where harmonica wise, you know, what Jerry Fiaro is doing and what Charlie Barath is doing and what Joe Felisco is doing and, you know, just whatever, um, what Annie Rines is doing, whatever anybody's posting now that things are starting to open up. I want to mm -hmm. give a shout out to that and get, you know, just any fuel to get wherever you're at, go see live music and support the, the harmonica world and um, whatever we can do to, to bring it somewhat back to normal or the new yeah. normal. Whatever that's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Charlie, so much for spending time talking to us about yourself and your projects. And they, they're wonderful. And I appreciate it. And I see you got your Marine Band Horner shirt on. Well, yes. Yeah, I have to uh, have to give the, the boys a shout. You know, oh. they uh, take great care of us. Uh, I, I uh, absolutely agree. I, I love Drew. You know, he's doing a phenomenal job and he's just a character. I tell you what, just being friends with him on Facebook, it's, it's entertaining. He's just a phenomenal creative writer with the way he posts. I, oh, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and... Um, I, um, I've got my little ladies that have been really hard. They've redesigned something and that's what I create are my necklaces for along with the other stuff that I sell in my booth. Um, and I got a tracking number. They're on their way. Wait. It's taken three years. I I've sold out of everything I've made. And then I have, since I'm all where we live, the, um, a lot of the music stores have closed. So I just get phone calls all the time and I'm selling stuff right out of the house because they know I have it or I go right. them at their house and then I get to hear them play their harp when they, they get it, you know, or, which is kind of cool. That's taken me a while to build because I'm not out there pushing it. I'm out there at festivals and I do it. I'm out there doing what I do do, but beyond that, I don't have a shop. So it's kind of cool. They're calling me now to, to get yeah, their stuff. Very cool. So that's, that's fun. And then it's really cool because they're so happy that they got it. You know, they'll write me later. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy. And that's pretty cool because you can't, you could drive down to musicians, friends from where we live. It's, you know, a couple hour round trip. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad I can offer that. And Horner's good to me and they get me my stuff and it's quality. And, you know, I'm like you, I started on a Marine band that I got from mm -hmm. my grandfather who played trumpet and and harmonica and yes. uh, so it's been marine band for me forever and uh they've got a lot of a lot of good harmonicas just oh, they do. That, their models the models that uh the the latest generation of of honer harmonicas are just you know you put them up there against any stock harmonica i mean they're they're wonderful they they have uh they're very responsive and playable and uh, they, they sound fantastic and you know and just even the uh, the old uh, you know the 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 original you know the marine band is still I mean they've kind of revamped it a little bit too and it's a, it's a wonderful instrument they got this new one out uh, well it's not new it was the blues bender and it it's the one that it's made in um, it's not made in Germany you know it's one mm -hmm. of their little less expensive models but they redesigned it and I'm telling you what, it, it is really good at a price point for a beginner. Right. I mean, it is. So I stock those. 
and, and talk to people where you at when, when I get to talk to them, when I'm selling them a harmonica, I get to ask them questions and ask them things so that I can direct them to what I feel suits the genre they play or the level they're at. And Horner's right. made that easy to do. Yes. Yeah. Have. yeah. So if they have I typically, I typically steer people away from the, the, uh, I don't know what you would call it entry level. Oh yeah. Uh, and let's, let's face it. Uh, learning the diatonic harmonica is difficult enough. If you don't have an instrument that's responsive, it just, it's an exercise in futility and people would more often than not put it down and walk away from it than stick with it. Because if you don't, if I find that if a beginner can't experience some sort of success, even on a base level, then they're more apt to give up easily. But if they could, you know, if, if you get a harmonica that's a little more responsive and, and you could, you know, get that sense of accomplishment, then you're more likely to stick with it. So, uh, yeah, so that's that's the one thing I, you know, I usually guide uh, beginners, um, you know, to, you know, spend a couple dollars and, and get you don't have to get the, the flagship. You don't have to get the top of the line. You don't have to get a custom customized harmonica or anything like that. But there's a lot of great options uh, out of the box. The special 20 is is one and the rocket. I um is kind of a standard. Yeah, it's a standard. And people mm-hmm. like it. And I agree 100%. I do not stock anything that I haven't played or that I don't know anything about because I don't want to steer somebody wrong. And right. I notice the same thing. If it's hard and they can't do it, they put it down. They quit. Sure. They quit. And it's hard enough, even on a, even on a great harmonica. It's hard enough. I mean, I've been at it for over 40 years. I'm still learning little subtle they're usually very little subtle things but when you combine them all it adds to the the full soundscape of what you're doing and uh you know and that's that's one of the things that keeps me continually excited about the diatonic harmonicas even after all these all these years decades uh i'm still i'm still honing that craft you know and uh, there are a lot of you know uh, alternate tunings and things like that. And I do fool around with some of that, but I keep going back to the standard Richter tune harp and it just like, it, it never fails to um, get my attention, you know, and it's like all these little subtle things that like, Oh, that's cool. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> I agree. I, I, I tried like learning other things. And then I said, why am I, I need every bit of my brain to try to wrap around this. So yeah. I went full on, you know, into that and went, and there's something all the time. It, it's always appealing. And I'm with you. I like the Richter and the and I do have some minors. Uh, we do minors, but I like doing those doing the minor on the Richter tuned as well. So, you know, it's just it's just whatever works for you. I think and what you're comfortable with, and the harmonica that works for you. And finding that helps. You know, yes. and and it's like you were saying. There's stuff. It's kind of like you can, you pick things up that you don't know. They're kind of subliminal in your head. And then some little trick will connect the dots and you go, that's that. I wasn't ready at the time to hear that. I, w- I didn't have the ability to know that, but now I do. And here it is right. many years later and you're learning something altogether new. It keeps yeah. it fresh. Yes. 
Yes, and there really aren't are no shortcuts to get there other than, uh, as our friend Deke likes to say, keep it in your mouth. That's how you get good. Oh, yeah. The tone master. Yeah. He's, he's, I, I love him. <laughs> That's the thing. You, you know, you go to these meetups and you meet all these wonderful, phenomenally talented, down-to-earth, wonderful people. And I don't, I, I only know it from the harmonica because I don't go to conventions or other things, but we do do a lot of festivals and we do a lot of sit-ins with other musicians. And, you know, for the most part, they're all wonderful, helpful people, but the harmonica community seems to really want to help each other. We don't want to like not help. Uh, I, I, the generosity of, you know, people like Joe Felisco and, and David Barrett and, you know, putting on the workshops at spa with all the different tables and yeah. you can go in there. It's like a, it's like you get the smorgasbord, you know? Do right. I want, yeah. And, so it's just a wonderful thing. And uh, that's why I try to do these podcasts to let everybody know what's going on and, and how to get involved and, and what people like yourself are doing, um, which is phenomenal. And we thank you so much. And I, I want to thank you for our time together here. We've worked this out and, I, and we've got it going here. And um, I'm going to do the post-production and get it all ready for you. It could be, you know, it could be about, a week or so because I'm so I'm so booked with a bunch of things right now and I don't want to neglect this and being overbooked with all the other things it's harder to get the podcast in regularly for me but I, I want I want well to. I I appreciate you reaching out to me Nedra it's always great to hear from you and I'm uh, thrilled to be uh, a guest on your podcast I appreciate that and the uh, shout out um, you know and uh, you know I'm getting a lot of uh, I'm getting a lot of great feedback and airplay and some wonderful reviews on this record from uh, not only U.S. but uh, also from Europe and other parts of the world, which uh, is just thrills me to no end. And and it, I'm chomping at the bit to uh, to start the process up again and and get uh, get the next full length record out there. Well, you know what you you've got the you could actually do. Um do tours in the UK and different places because as a band leader with your talent that you'd be able to go and, and, you know, sit down with some musicians and bam, you're there. And I, I've seen a lot of harmonic players that do that. They can't take the whole band. And right. And that's probably how I, that's probably the route that I would have to take, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I look I forward to that. That's what my, my friend, uh, Jimmy, who's on the record told me that one time he's like, dude, he says, you got a show. You could take this anywhere and you hire the right musicians. You don't have to worry about dragging a band around, although that would be that would make things easy, easier. But, uh, you know, so but I, I'm good. And a lot of times my regular gigs are just that, you know, like I said, I, I book a gig and then see who's available. And, uh, you know, and you're doing a happen. good job. <laughs> yeah, you're doing a good job, man. I'll tell you that I, I was like that before Julio, um, where I. I even did shows with backing tracks, you know, I, uh, and I, I was booking pretty solid and there was no drama, you know, or I'd put a band together for projects and you never know who's going to be sick and you got to pull a, a number out of your hat and get someone else in there with you. But you, you know, that, that part's the adrenaline part. That's kind of fun. But yeah. once Julio and I hooked up and started playing and got married, it's, that's my partner now. And so I feel lucky, I, but you know, he, um, he feels the same way. So. 
So we we groove and we got a new stand-up bass player and he's really, really good. Is he plays every instrument, but and is is um a really phenomenal player. We're so lucky that he moved to our little town. We've been waiting forever and he moved here. And and so and he turned out to be just a good heart like Julio. You know, he's just a sweet, sweet, beautiful person. And I I that that helps. And you know, going away from your family or away from uh, people to gig is is a heavy price. You know, it's got to be good money because you want to be home with your family. You know, you want to be home with your friends playing. And it sounds like you're getting to do that. So yeah, That's a little good. bit. Yeah. Chipping away, chipping away at it. You know? All right, man. You know, I I appreciate it. And uh, and we'll talk soon and I'll, I'll get this up. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And I uh, hope to see you and Julio soon. Oh, I hope so, too. I hope in um, August. I'm hoping yes. <laughs> yes, in Tulsa. Is it in Tulsa this year? I thought it's in St. Louis. Uh, Tulsa is what I what I heard. I could be wrong. Yeah, don't go by what I say. I'm usually I'm usually wrong. I really like the spot in Tulsa. Um, it's it's got everything. It's yeah. like the city of the world place. I you know so I really like that spot and the crew there. Well, everybody there. There's no complaints. Um, we've been there a few times and. And I and I think it's a great spot. So St. Louis is a good spot too. That was fun. St. Louis was yeah. fun. All right. Well, whatever it's gonna be, and whenever it happens in person, you could count that I'll be there. I'm gonna do everything I can to get there too. Yeah. All right, man. Over and out. Thank you, Nedra. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye. What a fun interview. I'll tell you, I enjoyed talking to Charlie here. It was wonderful. And I'm going to leave it with the song he talked about, Highball and a Covered Dish. So these songs are personal to him. He's written them. They're, it's a wonderful mix. So uh, do yourself a favor and, and go to one of his shows or go buy his record here. And I look forward to his next one, which he's working on right now. So the harmonica lady, Nedra Russ out. Take care. Bye-bye.
Suzuki and a loose gate The smell of kielbasa filled the air When she started in a cooking Man, it come from everywhere Wedding or funeral, it was a highball and a covered dish. Wedding or funeral, it was a highball and a covered dish. On Sunday morning, she was back at home by noon. Yeah, church on Sunday morning, she was back at home by noon. Grandpa helping in the kitchen. in the morning she was the last one to go to bed first one up every morning she was the last one to go to bed that's a true story she wore a homemade apron And a babushka on her head 